out of my seat, so burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice, and I entered the wondering tonight, maybe we um, have a testimony or two about Vacation Bible School. You don't necessarily, we don't need you to come up and stand up here or anything, but maybe just right where you're at, you just uh, something that the Lord did in your life, or maybe just something that uh, impacted your, I guess, just, just made an impact in your life this week. Anybody? Any testimonies about it? Yeah, go right ahead, please. Amen. It's amazing. I mean, you see these little lives and you realize uh, they have big needs in them. Not just salvation needs, but sometimes they're caring about a lot of burdens. And uh, boy, they come to vacation Bible school and they're encouraged by their teachers and their workers. And then in the rally time, and like you said, they get saved and their lives begin to really, because of the influence of the gospel and the truth, it does, that makes a difference. Praise the Lord for that. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yes, go right ahead.
And that was the first time he had ridden to Community Baptist was for Vacation Bible School. So his car got hit while they were out bus visiting. And as a result of that, it held them up. And then they met this young man. He ends up coming to church, gets saved, and came all week long. And I'm sure as a tremendous contact as you move forward. And uh, that's awesome. So again, what, like you say, what the devil meant for evil, God used for good. So praise the Lord for that. All right? Insurance helps. But anyway, <laughs> oh boy, no, but that's a blessing, isn't it? You know, we could get a pretty bad attitude about those kind of things. I know it's easy to, but praise the Lord, God used that for good. Just proving to us once again, everything in our life has purpose. Anybody else? I, th I think I, no, 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 you, I, I thought I was looking for a hand. I just need people to raise their hands. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, right over here, please. Yeah? Amen. All right, I think I saw a hand in the back. Brother Mike. Yeah, we'll, we'll see Brother Mike's hand. We don't need help finding him. Thank you. Go right ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was a blessing to watch everybody working together to accomplish a, uh, a like-minded goal. And uh, boy, we, as I think it was uh, mentioned today, I think there was 20, what do you say, 24, 25 that have come to Christ so far. And that's, that's really exciting. It's really good. And, and again, let me be, re remind everyone again, we were very careful this year uh, trying to weed out children that may not really be fully understanding what's going on. We did not want to you know, bring children and give them the gospel and have them say a prayer and, and then not really understand what was going on. And so our teachers did a really good job, I believe, this year, from what I could tell, of just ensuring that the children that came out, the only ones that went back to be dealt with were the ones who really understood enough to say, hey, this is why I'm here. This is what I want to, this is why I'm, 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 I feel the need to hear more. And not just, uh, I just came out because I needed out of there. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get. Let's face it. It's crazy. Why are you out here? I don't know. I mean, you get all kind of stuff, okay? And, boy, they did a good job this year, and I'm very excited about that. I think there was another hand over this way, if I'm not mistaken. Did I see another hand? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, I see your hand. Yeah. Did you want to give a testimony? Uh, okay. Not right now. Okay, good. Anybody else real quick? Yeah, over here. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's not our common practice, but it was one of those things where, you know, she just finally made it, was able to be here. She went to the class. Didn't hear a lot there, but then in the the time that we had in our rally that day, Brother Kavanaugh presented the gospel very clearly, and uh, under that message, she got convicted, I believe, and ultimately said, man, I'd like to know more about that, and we were able to share the gospel with her, and again, um, that, that was a blessing. I think we saw another hand over here.
Friday night, <clears throat> we did. The bus ministry uh, just saw a number of children come. And again, um, you teachers did a, a good job of, you know, let's face it, anytime you're bringing in children like that, I mean, just that many at once, you're going to run into all kind of situations that you have to be flexible, deal with it, and so forth. And you did a great job. And the kids did a good job overall. We're very pleased with that as well. And um, we had a number of parents come Friday night. I mean, a number come. Probably... 20-some, 30 parents. I mean, it was, it was a good group of parents here. And I know that may not sound like a lot, but that, that's a blessing. And those are folks that don't usually come to church at all anywhere, and they were in God's house and hearing the gospel. And a number of them, uh, at least two or three of those ladies uh, uh, and, and family said, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're going to come back. And so we're excited to see them coming back. And as we said, even one family, even this week, so... Um, anything else before we move on? Okay. All right. <clears throat> well, let's take our Bibles tonight then. And uh, let me flip this. There we go. Let's go ahead and look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. That's great. And I know that there's a number of others that could have said something. It was a great week. And again, uh, boy, like, I think Brother Kavanaugh said we had, what, uh, almost 4,000 cookies. So it was much more than we had anticipated even. And that was good. Our numbers were up, and like I say, we were over 200 on each of the nights, and that was exciting. And, uh, boy, we just want to see that continue to grow. We, we're going to need uh, extra workers. We always need more workers, and we could always use help there. But what a blessing it was. It was encouraging. It was, it was a blessing. 1 John 5, 11. 1 John 5, 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now in this particular passage, we note a couple of things. One, the record. It says, we see the record in verse 11. He says simply, and this is the record. He's just saying basically, listen, it's in writing. It's been confirmed. There's no question about it. This is the record that God has given to us eternal life. This life is in his son. That there's no disputing this. This is the way it is. This is the record. And uh, we see the requirement in verse 12. He says in verse 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. There's no doubt that we can have eternal life. That's what the passage teaches. Without a doubt, it's at our disposal. We can receive and accept it. It's been given to us by God. We simply need to receive it now. And he says the requirement for this life, this everlasting life, is the Son. You have the Son, you have the life. If you don't have the Son, you, have, you don't have life. It is quite simple. The requirement is the Son. And then we see the reality in verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. He says, listen, the reality is you'll have it. You, you can know it without a doubt. I mean, the record states it. The, the, the requirement is Christ himself. And the reality is you call on him, you receive him, you have everlasting life. Now that is something that every believer needs to settle in their life, obviously. We have to have that settled. And I say every believer because if you're not a believer, well, it's not settled yet until you do receive and accept Christ. But even after you've accepted Christ, you need to settle this reality, this truth. You have to take it by faith, not by feeling. You have to acknowledge what God says and reckon it to be so. If doing that, you, you, in doing so, you'll find confidence and in doing so, you'll know that you have eternal life. 
That's paramount. It's absolutely necessary that we settle our soul salvation, that we know that we have eternal life because we don't need to be addressing and dealing with, am I saved the rest of our days? There's plenty more to get done rather than just worry about where we're going to spend eternity. We need that one settled so then we can move on to other things like service. Now again, when we think about this passage and we, we look at it, we, we are certainly reminded of how important knowing we're saved is. But I, I'm convinced today that there are some other things we need to know in the Christian life. And um, this list that I'm going to give you is not comprehensive. I'm only going to give you three basic things. But they are very important in our lives. Nothing that I'm going to share is probably new to you. But, again, repetition is the key to learning. And as we learn in the Word of God that we need, we need reminded consistently and continually of things that are both necessary and needful in our life, as well as those things which, well, just continually remembered, bring strength and confidence and hope to us. And so let me give you just three things tonight that we need to make sure of in our lives, that we have in our lives as believers. All right, we've got our soul salvation settled. What else? Well, let's pray. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd meet our needs tonight. Lord, may you just encourage us from your word. Nothing so deep tonight, but Lord, things that are just so paramount, so important, so essential in our lives. We desperately need you. And I pray, Lord, that again, you'd fill me with your spirit and allow me, Father, just to be anointed with a holy unction. And Lord, may I proclaim your truth with boldness and with confidence, with courage. Lord, may I, Father, just uh, uh, acknowledge your presence here and in my life. And Lord, allow you to give me that strength and courage I need to face uh, the devil and to ultimately uh, face just the uh, the the... The faces even, Lord, at times is the devil will try to cause us to be distracted and nervous about situation. Lord, I don't want to be nervous tonight. I just simply want to share your truth. And Lord, you said, be not afraid of their faces because you're with us. And so, Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, help me not to be afraid of their faces, but Lord, to truly simply want to see your word go forth the way you would have it expressed. Lord, be with every listening ear again and anoint them that they may hear with spiritual ears. And Lord, may you just hide the word deep in our hearts and put a hedge about it that, Father, that Satan couldn't come along and steal it. We love you. We desperately need you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so what must, what must we make sure of? What, what do we have to have? Um, we need to make sure that we have a solid foundation. Now, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, and um, we're going to read the passage. And again, this is a passage that one might think, well, this goes back to 1 John 5, 11. And it does to some degree, but I believe that there are further ramifications for this particular passage. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So again, in the passage, we're dealing with a foundation. And we understand biblically, scripturally, that you can look at this passage and you can say, well, this refers to Christ and salvation. And I, I think, without a doubt, that it would apply there. And we can certainly say, indeed, that's, what it, it, that's the foundation. You, have, you can't go anywhere till you lay that foundation. I get it. And we address that in 1 John 5, 11 through 13, that salvation must be secure. But we need to begin to build upon that that foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Now, the moment you and I get saved, that's not when everything ceases to, 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 to be built. I mean, everything's not finished the moment we receive and accept Christ. Matter of fact, in Philippians 1, 6, he begun a good work in us and he'll perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. So there's a building process that takes place once we've been saved. And as a result of that, <clears throat> we need to understand we have to continue to build on a firm foundation. So not only is our salvation begun and, 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 and started on that foundation, but we need to begin to build our lives on that same foundation. And so the passage, I believe, although referring to Christ in salvation, 
also has to do with building a life in Christ, a Christian life. And that Christian life must be built on that same foundation. If the foundation of our life is weak, then there'll be a instability, instability and, and there'll be many ups and downs in our, our, our walk, in our life. On December 2001, the Leaning Tower of Pisa was finally reopened to the public after having been closed for 12 years. Again, they closed it for 12 years because they were involved in an engineering project, a project that really, it cost them $27 million. And that project was designed to stabilize the tower. They removed 110 tons of dirt and they reduced its famous lean about 16 inches. That seems crazy, doesn't it? Why was this necessary? I got to believe I'm going to have to look that up again because something ain't right here. But anyway, I think that might be feet. But anyway, why was it necessary? And here's why it was necessary. And here's why I'm now thinking that I must have wrote something down wrong. Because the tower had been tilting further and further away from vertical for hundreds of years, as you well know, most of you at least, to the point that the top of that 185-foot tower was 17 feet further south from the bottom. Now, if they only moved it 16 inches, that wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it? Not to me, it wouldn't. I say move it 16 feet. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not know the answer to this now. All right? But either way, they shored this foundation up. That's the whole point, all right? That's the point. And I'll have to get back to you with the rest of the story. But anyway, this uh, 185-foot structure, as you well know, was leaning. And I mean to tell you, it kept leaning further and further and further as the years went on. And finally, the Italian authorities were concerned that if nothing was done, it would soon collapse. Well, that only makes sense, right? Now, what was the problem? It wasn't bad design, was it? No, it wasn't poor workmanship. It wasn't an inferior, an inferior grade of marble that was used with, for the structure. No, the problem was its foundation stones. It had been laid on soft ground consisting of clay, fine sand, and even shells. And so we asked the question, how important is the foundation then? It's the difference between standing and falling. Now you think about that. It's the difference between standing and falling. You may say, well, yeah, but that thing stood for hundreds of years before they ever had to do anything. I know, but if they would have let it alone, sooner or later it would have what? Fallen. If you're leaning, it's just a matter of time before you fall. And boy, the foundation is so important, so needful and necessary. What are you building on in your Christian life? What are you building on? In Matthew chapter 7, turn there, would you? Chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. Matthew chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. The Bible says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, Jesus is speaking, of course, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Notice again the foundation by which it's being built. Sand. It's not solid. It's not secure. It's not safe. See, we must stand upon the Savior. See, the very one who we rest upon for our salvation is the very one we need to stand upon in order to build our Christian life. In Psalm chapter 18, verse 31 and 32, the Bible says, For who is God save our Lord, and who is a rock save our God? It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Man, what a wonderful reality here that God himself, the Lord Jesus, is our foundation, and we need to build upon him. It's not just simply about what we learn in Sunday school. Hey, no doubt we, we need to build our lives. Yes, we, we could talk about the need for our standards and our separation and all of those things, yes. But when it's all said and done, the very foundation is a person, Jesus Christ. 
If we neglect Jesus Christ in our life, then, we have, then all those other things put together will never sure us up enough to stand. We need Jesus Christ, and we must stand on Him, the solid rock. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Bible says. The reason we can stand on Him is because He never changes. If we're putting our faith and trust in in whether it be a, a church or a pastor or possibly in a, a, our, 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 our laws or whatever it might be in the country, the, 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 the county or the, the place we live. Man, those are changing things. You can't stand on that. The foundation will ultimately crumble. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, you can build a life on Him. We must stand upon the Scriptures. Not just the Savior, but the Scriptures. In Psalm chapter 119, verse 89, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. When you start building your life on the Scriptures, you got to understand it's you're building on something that's settled in heaven. We talk about a firm foundation. And we know that Christ and the Word are inseparable. We know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ and the Word are inseparable. They're the same. And as a result, when you start to build your life on Christ, you're really saying, I'm building it on the Word of God. The Word of God that's settled in heaven. Amen. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Have you ever run into somebody that says something like, well, you know, I believe in the Word of God just like you do, but everybody kind of reads it and comes to their own interpretation. You, you ever you run into that? Sure you have. And you say, what do I say to them? Well, here it is. Here's the answer. 2 Peter 1, 19-21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Man, I mean, this prophecy is more sure than anything that was ever received. It's in writing, and it's in stone, if you will. It is forever. It's settled in heaven, and we now hold it in our hand in the Word of God. And he says, we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. You'd be wise to listen to it and to live it. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first... Keep this in mind. Don't ever forget it. Before you go any further with the Bible, this is the first thing you better remember. That no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. What does that mean, you say? That's a great question. What that means is that you nor I have a right to privately interpret the Word of God based on our own upbringing or our own perspective. We can't determine what the Bible says on our own. I can't look at the Word of God and come to a conclusion based on my limited experience in life, or upbringing, or teaching, or instruction. What it's really implying is, is that when it's all said and done, watch this now, Verse 21, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What he's saying is, is that you can't determine, nor can I, what the Bible means. Interpret it on our own, in our own self. Why? Because it's not our book. It's his book. The only one that can interpret his book is him. And you say, how's that work? Well, we take the Bible and we have to define terms from the Bible. We have to understand statements in the Bible from other statements in the Bible. We have to interpret the Word of God with the Word of God. It's its own best commentary, if you will. I don't get to open the Bible at a certain page and say, well, you know, I think that means this. Who cares what I think it means? What does God say it means based on the scriptures that he's already provided us? It's his word that's settled in heaven, and it's his word that has, has been shared with us. It came in old time by the will, of, not by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Don't forget that, he's saying. 
you remember before you come to a conclusion, before you dismiss your responsibility in the Word of God, make sure you remember that you don't have the right to decide what is your responsibility or not your responsibility according to Scripture, what you should or shouldn't do based in the scripture, outside of the Scriptures. You can't make that decision. You have to go to God and say, what does that mean? Is that what my responsibility is? If it does mean that, then it should be reinforced somewhere else in that Bible. It can't just be, I decided that I'm not responsible for that because of my circumstances. Well, what's the Bible say? Well, it, it just says that God loves me. That's not enough. Man, you got to figure it out. What does the Bible teach? What does it say? What does, how does God interpret his own scriptures? How do we know what the number 40 means in Scripture? How do we know what 7 stands for in Scripture? How do we know what 5 stands for in Scripture? Because Scripture defines it for us. We have to understand that God's Word defines these terms. God decides what it means. What does it mean to be redeemed? God defines those terms. We don't make those things up. It's, all of, it's, it's, it's God's Word again. And we have to build our lives on His Word. We have to build it on the Savior. We have to build our lives on the Scriptures. Because why? We need a solid foundation. And boy, there's nothing more solid than God and His Word. Nothing. Well, I don't believe that the family unit is... I believe the family unit is this. And this is how it ought to function. Okay, prove it in the Bible. Well, there's this one verse. Okay, show me why that verse means what you just said. There's the big difference, isn't it? Well, you believe it means this, but I believe it means this, and that's my interpretation, that's yours. And we all, you know, it doesn't matter. We all have our own interpretation. And that's why we have so many different, quote, religions today. Different denominations even. Because if we're not careful, we fail to go to God's Word and rightly divide it as He intends it to be divided and then to apply it as God intended it to be applied. And again, I know there will be differences because wherever there are people, there will be differences of opinion. But my friend, we need to be honest with ourselves and be very clear on what the Bible says and how it defines itself. Because if we are trying to interpret it in our own flesh and our own strength, we're going to be way off in the long run. So we need a firm foundation. So let's go ahead and begin to build that solid foundation as we stand upon the Savior, as we stand upon the Scriptures. Number two, we need sure footing. Not only do we need a firm foundation, a solid foundation, we need some firm footing now too. And there's a difference. You can have a solid foundation, but I don't know about you, but have you ever been on some um, ice? It's pretty firm at that moment, but it's not very, you don't have much sure footing. Oh, it's firm, but there's not very much sure footing. Man, a matter of fact, you're fighting to stay up. We need some sure footing. Psalm chapter 18, verse 33. Turn there, would you? Psalm chapter 18, verse 33. Years ago, we used to have what was called snow tires. Now you just got, you know, year-round radials, right? I think that's what they're called. In those days, they had wheels or, or tires that literally had knobs on them. And they'd dig into ice even. Yeah, or you'd put metal chains on or something. But I was talking about those snow tires, not the chains. But that's true, they did. But anyway, think about the footing on those chains. Or on those knobs, they dig into that ice. They give you some, some traction. They begin to help you have a more firm, have some more firm footing, right? Now, that's exactly what we're talking about here. I never used the chains, by the way. They were just too hard to put on. But nonetheless, those, those little knobby things, though, boy, those things dug in. They really did. Those stud things or whatever they were called, those are amazing. All right, so anyway... The Bible says in Psalm 18:33, "He maketh my feet." I wonder who he is. I wonder who that is. I wonder if he's talking about the king. I wonder if he's talking about his parents. I wonder if he's talking about a brother or sister that was really close and helped him. No, he's talking about the Lord, right? He says, he maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. 
He's talking about a particular animal that was a mountain creature that could find footing in the most steep and most treacherous types of hills and mountains. They're just little pieces of rock and stuff. Their, their hooves would just settle in. They, could, they found firm foundations on little pieces of stone. They didn't have to have a big space to settle in. They just, it was amazing how they could climb and how they could function on those steep mountains. And he says, man, he maketh my feet like hinds feet and setteth me upon my high places. Again, um, years ago, it was a long time ago now, but my wife and I, we went to uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I had a good friend there that I'd met in the Army, and, and uh, we'd go there just from time to time, visit with him. And this one time when we went to Spartanburg, we decided to take a trip to Asheville for the day. And so we drove to Asheville. Well, up in Asheville, there's all, it's, it's a pretty it's a mountainous area, and um, there's a lot of streams and stuff, and it's some beautiful, beautiful uh, you know, just, it's, it's gorgeous up there. And, and I still remember we got right off the road there and right beside the road was this stream running across and running down through. And, and uh, man, I mean, it was, it was coming down there pretty good, you know, and it had rained earlier. And so it was higher than normal and it was really coming down fast. And I still remember my friend saying, man, come on. He called me OD for O'Donnell. He said, Hey, OD, let's get in the water, man. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay. And I don't know really why we were going to do it other than to show off for our wives, you know, because, I mean, it was like very treacherous, you know, it was pretty bad. But that's all right, you know, we're young, we're tough, we're army men, you know, we can handle it. Boy, that went south fast. I got in there, and I mean, it was moving. And I still remember the moment I got in, as I started getting in, just kind of trying to climb in, I could feel that water pressuring and pushing. And then I, I jumped down in a little bit and I got into where it was a little above my waist and pretty soon it dropped over to about my neck and before I knew it, boom, I went under. I slipped off those little rocks on the bottom and it was rocky under there. And I slipped and that thing just drove me down in the ground and I started scraping against the bottom of that little, that, 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 that little, uh, little I call it a river, but it was really a stream that was just overflowing. Man, it was rushing down and I couldn't get to the top. I mean, I was panicking by now. I'm banging into boulders, and I'm scraping along the bottom. I'm cutting up my arms, and it was nasty. And I still remember thinking, I am going to die. I am going to die, and how embarrassing is this going to be? <laughs> and so as I'm violently being carried away, not able to get my bearing, being just thrust into sharp boulders and drug along the rocky stream bed, I began, again, a panic. And, and man, I needed some air. I've got to get to the top somehow. And all of a sudden, I whacked into a big old boulder. And when I hit that boulder, at least it stopped my momentum. And I was able to kind of think a second, and I got to the top. I grabbed some air, and I was able to kind of fight my way back to the edge. Man, I crawled out of that stream. I was so beat up. All because I lost my footing. Man, I mean, I was on the bottom of that thing, and I just lost it, and I was gone that quick. It was bad. I always wanted to go back there. I would have conquered it. <laughs> I'd have probably wore hockey gear or something, though. <laughs> Man, I lost my footing that day, and honestly, I got out of that stream, and I'm not joking, I was glad to be alive that day. I was glad to be alive. Sure footing is found in the Christian life <clears throat> in our purity. In our purity. Turn to Psalm chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Psalm 24, 3 and 4. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. How important are clean hands and a pure heart in the Christian life? They provide us with sure footing. Sure footing is found in our perspective as well. 
In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Looking unto Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Turn to Psalm chapter 73, please. Again, perspective, it provides us with sure footing. The right perspective, sure footing. The wrong perspective, a slippery slope. Notice in Psalm 73, Truly God is good to Israel, verse 1. Even to such as are of a clean heart. It's interesting that word comes back up again, that element of cleanliness, purity. Sure footing again. But as for me, he said, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Why? Why? For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Once again, perspective. Man, if your perspective is not on Christ, if it is focused elsewhere, if you're seeking satisfaction from another source other than Christ himself, then let me tell you, your footing is going to be shaky, to say the least. It's not going to be sure, but shaky. Sure footing. It's found in our purity. It's found in our perspective. It's also found in our practice. Do you know simple obedience is necessary if we hope to be sure-footed in our faith? Just simple obedience. In John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, he makes the statement, Samuel the prophet says, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? Remember we have Saul now, king of Israel, who is to destroy Agag and all the host, and yet he spared the king's life. And they took of the best sheep and so forth, and, and, and they were supposed to utterly destroy. And he says to him, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. See, what we do is very important to God and therefore it ought to be important to us. Matthew 12, 36 says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Once again, sure footing. It's, it, yes, we need that solid foundation. Without a doubt, Christ, the Jesus Christ, the Savior, and the Scriptures, no doubt. However, we need that sure footing, too, that's found in purity, that's found in perspective, that's found in practice. And finally, number three, what else do we need in our lives? Yes, a solid foundation, sure footing, and finally, simple faith. Simple faith. Turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 20. Mark chapter 9, verse 20. You didn't think I can get through that number two that fast, did you? I was flying. Simple faith, Mark chapter 9, verse 20. And they brought him, and they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Now the disciples had already tried to heal this young man, but it, to no avail. It wasn't happening. Verse 21, and he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. You know, we often worry about 
how, having strong faith, don't we? And you know, I get it. We should. We ought, to be, we ought to be concerned about the level of faith that we possess. But can I tell you that the most important thing is not how much faith you have, but instead what your faith is in. That's more important. I know people that have strong faith in a false god. That doesn't do them any good. As a believer, sometimes the devil will use this thought or this idea, man, your faith is not very strong. That's true, it's not. But my faith is where it belongs. I'm telling you, that's important. So let me ask you, do you have faith tonight? You say, well, I have faith, but it's not as strong as I'd like it. I didn't ask that. First of all, I'm just wondering, do you have faith? Well, that's exactly what God is looking for, and that's exactly what He desires from each and every one of us. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, He says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So if you lack faith in, all, uh, uh, faith in general, then there's a problem because you can't please God. But it doesn't say how much faith you need. It just says, but without faith, it's impossible. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So if you have any faith at all, you can do something for God. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Look at that, would you please? We're almost done. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5 and 6. The Bible says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Good, good point. That's, that's a good one, isn't it? If you're going to ask the Lord for something, that's a good thing to ask Him for. Notice the response. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, of mustard seed you might say unto this sycamore tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. You say, well, what are you getting at there? What's that about? Well, the disciples asked Christ to increase their faith. But instead of giving them a three-point outline how to increase their faith, He simply tells them to exercise what faith they have. You don't need a bunch of faith, fellas. What you need is to exercise what you've got. It only takes a little teeny bit of faith to do miracles. Start with whatever faith you have and then let God worry about growing that faith in your life. Say, I just don't know if I... Listen, who cares what you think you can or can't do? Do you have faith? any faith at all. Exercise the faith you have. Put it to practice. Man, next year when it comes time to sign up for VBS, sign up. Well, I don't know if I can handle Who cares what you think you can or what you know you can? Exercise the little faith. I need more faith before I do that. No, you don't. You need to exercise the faith you have. You can move mountains with what little faith you have if you have faith at all. If we'll simply exercise what little faith we have, we'll not only accomplish the impossible on God's behalf, but we'll grow in grace and faith as well. Our faith will grow as you exercise it. Just like you would your body, exercising your body, it grows stronger and stronger. As you exercise faith, it will grow. When all we do is worry about what little we have and we're unwilling to exercise what we have, we never grow. We'll just stay stagnant. We'll be where we're at forever, potentially. you got to exercise what you got. So first, we need to settle our salvation. This is paramount. It has to be settled. Settle your soul's salvation. Then we must ensure we have a solid foundation, then sure footing, and then simple faith. We need to build our lives on Christ and His Word. Our feet need to be sure as we strive for purity, focus on eternity, and live obediently. Finally, we need to exercise simple faith by using what faith we have. The great architect Frank Lloyd Wright was given the challenge of building the Imperial Hotel in Tokyo, one of the most earthquake-prone cities in the world. Wright's investigation showed that a solid foundation could be floated, I mean floated, on a 60 foot layer of soft mud underlying the hotel 
which would provide a shock-absorbing but solid support for the immense building. He'd done all that work and all that testing to figure out what can I use, what kind of foundation will give but be sure and solid. Shortly after the hotel was completed, it withstood the worst earthquake in 52 years, while lesser buildings fell in ruin all around it. Your faith, let me ask you, will your faith stand the test of time? Because there's going to be some shock waves. There are going to be some earthquakes in your life. What are you building your life on? Who are you building it on? Who am I building it on? A solid foundation, sure footing, and simple faith. All necessary, all essential in the Christian life. Father, we thank you again for this time we've had together. And Lord, we ask that you would help us as believers to recognize our need to sure up the foundations. Lord, maybe we've slipped in our Bible reading or our prayer life. Maybe we failed in our obedience to you and we begin to get a little bit lax in our position or our outlook. Maybe we failed to even see you like we used to and we've been distracted in our lives somewhat. Oh, we're confident we're saved, but, well, our footing's a little bit slippery. Our faith hasn't been exercised like maybe it was in the past and we feel like we need strengthened. Lord, we may need strengthened, but Lord, help us to exercise what faith we have. Help us, Father, to plant our feet sure by focusing on our purity and our practice and our perspective. And Father, may you just make sure in our own lives, may we be confident that Christ is who we are building on, not just our salvation, but Lord, our Christian life. We'll thank you, we'll praise you. We need you now. And Lord, if there's somebody without Christ in the room tonight has yet to receive and accept Jesus Christ, they need to get saved. They need to recognize themselves as sinners and the need for Jesus to wash their sin away. That's why you died for them, to pay for their sin. Father, help us tonight, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.